Episode 81, Third Sunday of Lent, Year B. We are journeying through Lent. This is the third Sunday of Lent in Year B, and today we are reminded that the folly of the cross is a stumbling block to those who do not believe, but to those who do believe, it is the wisdom and power of God. And the greatest one is love Now we see unclearly As if we looked into a mirror dimly But then we will see as people face to face No longer partly but fully known and When I prove my holiness among you, I will gather you from all the foreign lands, and I will pour clean water upon you, and cleanse you from all your impurities, and I will give you a new spirit, says the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, as we gather together for this third Sunday of Lent, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. Have mercy on us, O Lord, for we have sinned against you. Show us, O Lord, your mercy, and grant us your salvation. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, author of every mercy and of all goodness, who in fasting, prayer and almsgiving have shown us a remedy for sin, look graciously on this confession of our lowliness, that we who are bowed down by our conscience may always be lifted up by your mercy. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, 
or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I the Lord your God am a jealous God. Punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honour your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife, or male or female slave, or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbour. The Word of the Lord Lord, you have the words of eternal life. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring for ever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Chapter 1, verses 18 and 22 to 25. Brothers and sisters, the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The word of the Lord. Glory and praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
Glory and praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. God loved the world so much he gave us his only Son, that all who believe in him might have eternal life. Glory and praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Chapter 2 verses 13 to 25 The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal, for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then they said, This temple has been under construction for forty-six years, and will you raise it up in three days? But Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name, because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and needed no one to testify about human nature for he himself knew what was within the human person. The Gospel of the Lord The first lines of the first reading today sets the scene for everything that follows. That first sentence is the key to understanding the Ten Commandments. God gives the law to Moses, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. The words from God that follow, which we know as the Ten Commandments, are given to God's people in order to free them, to protect them, and keep them in good relationship with the Lord. God is declaring to us that He is the God of liberation, who frees us. God gives us this law to make us free. God's law is not an onerous duty or a burden. It liberates us to be everything we're created to be. The psalm sums it up so well. God's law is perfect. It is a real joy. It gives wisdom. We are created not to be slaves, wearily doing the Lord's will as if it's a dreadful imposition and a burden. God's law is life and light. From the outset, God names two things that imprison and enslave us. Putting other earthly things before God and creating false idols. These things lead to disaster 
our Lord wants to free us from this. To truly understand the real meaning and purpose of the law, one has to understand the lawgiver, the one who makes the law, and then we can see what the purpose of the law is. God made the law, and God is love. God has unfathomable depths of compassion. God is just, true and loving. Therefore to keep God's law is a delight to obey a loving God. And our Lord Jesus, who embodied and perfected the law, shows us God's loving, compassionate heart in so many different ways. This is why Jesus knew the purpose and meaning of the law and how to apply it in spirit and truth. And it's why he occasionally seemed to bend the letter of the law in order to keep the very spirit and meaning of that law. Only Christ, who is the law and compassion of God, could fully understand the meaning of the law so well as to complete or correct it. It makes me think, as we drive on the highway, how many people look like they're treating the road laws like a delight, an absolute joy to keep? How many do you see driving around filled with joy and delight and peace as they faithfully observe the laws of the road? As they cut in, tailgate, sail past others doing four times the signed limit. Like any law, rule or regulation, the laws of the land are still there for the purpose of protecting safety and regulating competing rights, preserving and protecting life, liberty and property. But in this one example I'm mentioning, many seem to drive around or go through life flouting laws and treating them as a bore and a burden, a silly restriction on their freedom, as they speed, cut people off, turn and break dangerously, tailgate, abuse, and so many other things. Too many people seem to have taken the view on the road, for example, and so many other aspects of life. This law is silly. It limits me. It doesn't apply to me. I'm above that. So I'll ignore it. But if everyone flouted the laws, when they felt it was unimportant to them, who would obey any? And what would become of it? Too many find out by accident that they're not such a master of the situation that they believed. God's laws, of course, are quite a degree better than any human laws. But we too either see it as a delight or an unnecessary burden. And we're told today in the readings that the proper interpretation is that God's law is a true delight. Actually, I'm sure most would agree following those road rules can be a joy and delight because gone is this desperate effort to speed and to rush, to rage over people who are in my way. The person who impatiently tailgates doesn't see that as soon as they get free of one car, they're pathetically stuck behind the next car, and so on. All the while, they haven't realised that the cars aren't really going slow. They're going too fast. Some people are slow learners, especially when they get to their destination with a speeding camera fine coming in the mail. They're all riled up, and of course it's always someone else's fault. God's law is so much better than this. Although it's true, the more we understand the reason for a law and the purpose of a rule, the more likely we will be to follow it. Of course, as the second reading reminds us, 
God's ways are not like human ways. So we're invited to be more and more open to God, who is the lawmaker, and to get inside God's ways and God's heart, because that's the heart of the one who created these laws. Not to hold us back, but for life and life to the full. The key to the gospel today is the first sentence too. Just before the Jewish Passover, our Lord goes to the temple. There's nothing wrong in fact, and it was the law of the time, for people to come to the temple and offer goats and pigeons and spotless lambs in reparation for their sin and to offer up a prayer and dedication to God. And they needed to use what was considered clean money, so special temple money was made. The temple was the house of God's presence among his people. The money changers would have claimed that they were simply assisting people with their religious duties. But there's a major problem. At one time, living animals were not permitted to be brought into the temple grounds. But that had changed. The area reserved for Gentiles to worship God was now a marketplace, where no one would pray or worship amidst that noise and rabble of bartering. Our Lord saw that the Gentiles were being treated with contempt, as well as everything else wrong with this scene. The fees charged for the temple service had also gotten right out of hand, costing poor visitors three or more days' wages to simply be able to perform the duty they had. This was a place of mystery and awe, not a place to turn into a circus with markets and cold business-like precision. It is also never meant to be a case of put in a penny and out comes a blessing. So our Lord was restoring the proper awe and reverence to his Father's house. And since it was indeed just before the Passover, we can't help but notice that Christ is the true Passover lamb. He is doing away with the need for lambs, goats and pigeons. He himself will be the one offering once and for all the perfect sacrifice, which will now be the means to forgiveness, grace, redemption and restored relationship with God. He is making new in himself right worship and effective sacrifice, in which business-like marketplaces will not be needed. And also, Jesus will be the new temple. The presence of God the abiding promise of God's presence among us will be Christ himself, in and through Christ and his church, and in and through the Eucharist. Jesus, who not only knows the lawmaker, but is one with him, restores, completes and renews this ancient sacrifice and makes it effective by his life, his teaching, his death and his resurrection. And he warns us, as he did the money changers, never take this for granted. Do not just go through the rituals with mechanical presumption like a slot machine. Do it in humility and in awe and reverence of the saving law and sacrifice found in the temple that is the body of Jesus Christ and also his body, the people of God. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ his only Son our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. 
on the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. God has rescued people from slavery and brought them to the promised land. Let us confidently ask for our needs. For the Church, that it may continue to proclaim the challenging message of the crucified Christ. Lord, hear us. For people and nations suffering from injustice and persecution, that their stand for freedom and justice may be rewarded. Lord, hear us. For all who make our laws, that they will uphold the Christian values. Lord, hear us. For our community, that we may live by the truth and justice of the decrees of the Lord. Lord, hear us. For all those in ill health and those who care for them, that the Lord will give them healing, strength and peace. Lord, hear us. For all the faithful departed, that they may come to share in the fullness of life in the risen Lord, especially those for whom we now pray. Lord, hear us. Eternal God, we ask you to listen to our prayers so that we may come to appreciate more deeply the life you call us to share with you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Be pleased, O Lord, with these sacrificial offerings, and grant that we who beseech pardon for our own sins may take care to forgive our neighbour. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For by your gracious gift each year, your faithful await the sacred paschal feasts with the joy of minds made pure, so that more eagerly intent on prayer and on the works of charity, and participating in the mysteries by which they have been reborn, they may be led to the fullness of grace that you bestow on your sons and daughters. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. 
At the Saviour's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. The sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for her young. By your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they who dwell in your house, for ever singing your praise. Let us pray. As we receive the pledge of things yet hidden in heaven and are nourished while still on earth with the bread that comes from on high, we humbly entreat you, O Lord, that what is being brought about in us in mystery may come to true completion. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let's bow our heads and pray for God's blessing. Direct, O Lord, we pray, the hearts of your faithful, and in your kindness grant your servants this grace, that, abiding in the love of you and their neighbour, they may fulfil the whole of your commands. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you.